like the screen's black and you raise it and say, hey, Siri? Sometimes it works. Let me try it again right now. I hope Fuad's listening. Hey, Siri, what time is it in Bangladesh? And that actually worked. <laughs> what time is it in Bangladesh? It's 7.03 a.m. Well, it's a good thing we have a watch to, to ask it what time it is. Yeah, right? well, it's, it's actually amazing, actually. Good, good Max. Got a nice noisy bone to chew. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay, I mean, he's gone. Let's uh, let's have a show. The real show. Okay. <laughs> this is the real show. Welcome to the More Than Just Code podcast. I'm your host, Simon Lopez. I'm in Seattle, Washington. I'm joined by Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. How's it going? <laughs> Dude, don't you, don't you just want to kill me when I do that? <laughs> Steal your greeting. I guess not in this case. And we're also joined by Tim Mitra in Toronto, Ontario. Hey. And now, Mark Rubin, not here. Don't know. He's working as usual. But this is the More Than Just Code podcast. How much more? Who knows? You know, if this continues, like, I think people might start thinking that Mark and I are the same person because I don't think we've been on the same show it's for been maybe ages. a month now. Yeah. Yeah. He's that's missed some. Tough. I've missed some. Yeah. Well, Mark's a busy dude. Hmm. Too busy for a podcast. <laughs> Be that as it may, we have to go on without him. But I feel like a, an element of, uh, of grumpiness is... <laughs> is, is lacking now from this podcast grumpiness mark rubin oh yeah why <laughs> well when he's not here you know like he's he brings sort of the um oh how would you say it the hard edge if you will really i think so oh, the, the reality checks you mean exactly mm, yeah totally uh, i see yeah. i see well that, that then we'll just have to rely on Jaime to be the contrarian then all right so i guess we'll start off with some follow-up then and the first thing is um uh, about Siri, we were talking last week quite a, quite a bit about uh, whether, in fact, our whole episode was surrounded about Siri. It seemed about uh, the possibility of being an API coming up in at WWDC. People are wondering whether iOS nine, if that's what's going to be called, is going to have some sort of uh, Siri implementation. Makes a lot of sense with the with the watch being out now, since dictation is a big part of uh, interacting with the watch. Um, since it has no keyboard or any way of entering type. We, we talked about um, a couple of things here, and one of them is an article by Ben Thompson at Stratechery. He's um, the fellow I've quoted before about the Apple Watch. He's pretty bullish about the watch. He's extremely excited about it, and, and I mean, who wouldn't be? But uh, yeah. having used it now for some time, Ben Thompson published a piece that uh, came out today talking about what makes it so compelling and just to get right into it, I mean, this is a great piece. It's it's another long piece by Ben Thompson, but he really uh, spends quite a bit of time talking about how the voice interaction model with the watch is what makes it so compelling, and that mm-hmm. that's Siri, obviously. So um, take a read at this article if you have a chance. The show link will be in the show notes, and um, you can hear him talk about how the voice interaction model uh, is not perfect yet, obviously, and God knows we've talked about that a lot too. Um, I don't know, Tim, if you're going to keep the part of this uh, recording where we went on about Hey Siri. Oh, sorry oh, for watching. Oh, of course we will. <laughs> but um, that's... I hope he has Pitch Perfect, too. That's all I have to say. Okay, good. Oh, me too. I hope he writes to us. Um, for this for this part, though, um, we can clearly see that, that voice interaction is, is going to be so incredibly compelling. It's going to become more important over time. Now, Ben Thompson doesn't talk about 
a Siri API. Um, that is still something that uh, that we've discussed, but it's clearly important and going to be more so and needs needs more attention from Apple. But the signs are good. There's there's definitely an improvement to Siri over the last year or so, and it seems uh, more of a natural fit on the watch than anywhere else. And so uh, Ben Thompson sort of finishes off by talking about how uh, the technology that we've been adopting over the last few years is getting smaller and smaller. It's disappearing, and eventually we're going to end up with no physical devices, just cloud. And uh, he finishes off with a poster of the movie Her, uh, which mm. classic movie, by the way. i got to right. watch that again. But uh, just bringing it home, that uh, voice is how we're going to interface with technology in the future, and we are getting a great preview of it on the watch right now. So that's a good follow-up, and I hope you read that. Great story. Now, um, Jaime also posted a link uh, to a couple of things. Oh, who posted the link to the service headers? That was Tim. Uh, that was me, yeah. Me, me and Greg sort of okay. tandem. Uh, so, Greg, hey oh, friend of the show. And Derek Slander. I don't know who he is, but is he, is yeah. he a friend of the show? Well, we were tr- Greg, and, uh, Greg and I were discussing that, actually. If we're not sure if he's a friend of the show or an adversary of the show, but we'll, we'll find out. Oh, if he's an adversary, we're going to have to take him down. Hmm, okay. So one of those guys, we'll say Greg, posted this link to uh, a GitHub project, uh, which lists the headers from the Siri service. And mm-hmm. I guess this is a reverse engineering trick where... They have found a way to output all the uh, the header files, notably all written in Objective-C. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these things reveal the method names for the Siri API. Having said that, there's a ton of stuff here. Uh, the, link, the link that's um, put in our, in our document here links to a Siri UI presentation delegate. You just, if you back out of that onto the GitHub project and go to the main... Uh, page mm-hmm. for it, then you're going to see uh, hundreds of files. I don't know, maybe a hundred files. But in the Siri presentation delegate protocol header file, you can see this list of some 40, 50 uh, method signatures that outline sort of some of the ways that the Siri API accepts arguments and the mm-hmm. sort of things that it returns. Now, all these things return voids, so you're not quite sure what they're going to be doing in their implementations, but uh, it's still but quite in, interesting. In theory, could you could you write a could you write a, 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 a an override in your app to to basically tap into these things? In is theory, that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is all private API, of course, so you could never get into the app store with it, right? But oh, I see. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Mm. What do you think, Jaime? Is this private API? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh, yeah, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, the, it, but it'd be a lot of work, baby, to uh, reverse engineer this noise. Woo! Whoa! Mm. That's a lot of work. So what you mean by that, what you mean by that is even though this is Apple stuff, we're not supposed to use it in our apps. Exactly. If, if, if the API does not appear in the public documentation, you can't use it. It's that simple. Right. Um, but, you know, looking at this, like, this is, it, this gets back to what we were talking about last week, is what would a Siri API look like? And right. this is quite literally the answer. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, mm-hmm. you, it would really take some time to sort of dig into, but just to give you an example here, um, here's a method called Siri presentation takes uh, a Siri UI presentation argument and synthesize speech with phonetic text, and it passes in a string, and then it's got a completion, mm-hmm. which it passes back. 
what exactly is that doing? I don't know, but it sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> then you've got like a Siri a, that returns a Boolean. Siri is speaking for a Siri presentation. I'm not sure what a Siri UI presentation object is at this point. Yeah, no, neither do I. Yeah. Maybe it's still waves or whatever, but this is this is uh, Mac OS X or what is this? 10. Jeez. Oh, damn. Mac OS 10. <laughs> Seriously. Okay, take a pill. I can't. Seriously. I can't take a pill on that one. <laughs> there right. is no pill that can cure what I've got when I hear well, OS X. You know, I, have, I have really old synapses and they're formed in, in the dark ages, you know, and it takes a long time for me to reform new ones and bypass old habits. So, all right. There you go. All right. I'll work I'll on see. it. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You got a plot. You got a paper bag there for me. You can read and do it for a I'm minute. Gonna maybe need that. Hang on. <laughs> okay. So anyway, it looks very interesting. And I mean, this is, this is wild, wacky stuff, you know, and to, to give you sort of a sense of, you know, how big this is, if you dig back, like the, the link that you put in the notes here and then uh, go to the top of the page and this is greedy dev and there's Siri view service dash headers, click that Siri view service dash headers, and then you'll get the complete list of headers for this API and you'll see there's a lot mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. a lot going on okay and my watch tells me the Jays just lost <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay was it the MLB at bat thing yes. or something else yes the MLB at bat app um, one other thing uh, Jaime would you like to take this one Pars Parsman yeah so this is a little bit of follow up to that so this is an uh, open source component, I guess, or a set of tools um, for iOS written in Swift. It's by Ayoko Nonaka from Venmo. Um, not, you know, not with any relation to Venmo, but you know, just on her own personal account. And it does some interesting things. So I'm, I'm not exactly an expert on, you know, language processing, uh, you know, hum you know, natural language processing. But this provides things to tokenize, you know, text strings like. They give an example, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog and it grabs all the different, you know, words that you might see there. Um, there's tagging, which is interesting to see that, okay, the is a determiner, quick and brown are adjectives, fox is a noun, which I think that's very, very interesting. Um, I don't recognize what the lemmatizer does. It looks yeah, like it's I tokenization, but, but I remember lemmas from uh, like automata class and I don't know how this differs from the tokenizer. Well, if you compare the uh, text in the lemmatized words and text with what is output, um, it turns I'm into I, holding into mm -hmm. hold, for example. So it's like getting the root words. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's a little hard to see when you have to scroll back and forth in the very limited window that you have to see the, the code example. Okay, so mm -hmm. that makes sense. And then the, the kicker for me is the naive Bayes classifier which she gives some examples of yeah. training, right? Like, you know, some text string like nom nom ham and says that the category mm -hmm. is ham. Okay, and please put the eggs in the fridge as category ham. And then asking to say, okay, well, use the eggs in the fridge. That's identified as ham. And I think that gets a lot to what you folks were talking about the other day where, okay, even if we had a Siri API that could take some sort of action like, okay, this is going to trigger the ESPN app. Okay, mm -hmm. then what? What exactly is passed over to the app? How will you interpret what to do? Because it's not as simple as opening like a deep link with a URL. Absolutely. So I, hypothetically, I can see that sort of thing happening here. Really, okay. Here is the speech string that Siri came up with, right? Turning the speech to text, 
it is somehow identify that your app, which is registered to accept this, and then use this um, with tons and tons of training, you know, whatever's particular to your app, sports terms for ESPN, you know, food terms for food network, you know, that sort of thing, and do something, right? Like that was kind of the idea here and why I brought it up. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's complicated, you know, looking at these things and you know the the training aspect is the idea of coming up with everything you can think of that would relate to whatever command you want it to execute and parsing that out. Like something mm -hmm. as simple as send a text to my mom saying I'll be there in 10 minutes. And that's the text that you receive in your app. Mm -hmm. Right? So you so somehow got to parse out send a text to my mom. So that's broken into now. So I know to send a text. I know it's to my mom. It's got to know who my mom is. And then the next part of it is actually the content of that text. And you've got to somehow figure out that that's the case. Like my mind is actually leaking out of my brain, my ears right now. It's crazy. <laughs> just thinking about that. But you know, that actually works. Apple's done that. That works. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> It, let's just say that if Apple does this, they, they come up with a Siri API, there better be a whack of sessions at WWDC to help us figure this out. Well, yeah, it's almost like they need to whole, have a whole week to, to do that kind of thing. Yeah, right? so. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, there you go. Very cool. You'll have to have a core, a core Siri or something like that. Yeah. Um, Intro, intermediate, advanced. Another follow-up item is we, we talked, we've talked about a few times already on the show is about Aaron's struggles with trying to get his Magpie app for OS X and iOS approved through Apple. And uh, just before, the day before we were recording today, uh, he got another rejection on the iOS. And so, Aaron, can you fill us in on what's going on over there? Um, did we get any response about people wanting to hear about Magpie's rejection stories? <laughs> no? What? I'm shocked. Just got iOS just got rejected last night again. I couldn't be more pleased because let's face it, who wants to publish this app anyway? I actually had to file a DTS uh, request today yeah. in order to try to overcome their issues. I think that I think that as people, uh, especially newer developers, write apps, they they want to know what the process is. I get a lot of questions in in my travels uh, from people about. You know how what what constitutes a rejection and what kind of things can get you into trouble. You know, so if you could shed some light on that, that might help. Even though I realize the things they're picking on you may be specifically related to the app or the thing you're trying to do, right? Yeah. So that's three now, right, Aaron? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think mm -hmm. iOS has been rejected three times and the Mac has been rejected twice. Uh, but the other thing with the Mac is that um, I replied to the initial or to the second rejection. Two weeks ago today, actually, and they haven't gotten back to me. So I just like I, I sent another reply saying, "Are you guys even answering this thing, or what the hell?" You know, like I know that app review takes time, and I get all that, but I think two weeks waiting for an answer to a reply to a rejection is is way over. Oh, so I guess so. It was three rejections by Apple because I know that you you pulled one yourself, right? When you found a problem. Yeah, that's true. Um. Okay, so the reason that they were both rejected, and they were both rejected for a couple of reasons. One had to do with the name that I used, and this would actually be more ap be more applicable to people that are not me. Um, right. So, yep. um, I I wanted to distinguish them in the store, so I g I gave their names as Magpie for Mac and Magpie for iOS. 
Um, but they didn't like that at all. They said, don't put the name of the platform in the name. And they, they specifically pointed that out on the Mac. They, they said, don't use the, the word Mac in the name. Um, right. Or they were a little more vague than that. Uh, I had to parse that meaning out. Uh, they're, they're like that. You're like, you really do have to study app rejection notes very carefully to understand what it is that they're trying to tell you. Um, and they often also illustrate what their point is through screenshots, which um, can also be a little bit misleading because sometimes it's difficult to connect the uh, the rejection note with the screenshot that it applies to. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes you just have to, you know, figure it out. <laughs> um, or guess. In this case, on the first rejection, um, they had the minor issue of the name of the app, um, but there was also the issue that Magpie allowed you to download the videos. So you save a video from, say, YouTube, uh, allowing mm. you to watch it. And the way Magpie works is that it captures the raw MP4 video source of the file uh, right, that's posted right. on YouTube.com and allows you to uh, it allows that video file to stream directly to Magpie. So you watch it and it's streaming from the website. Now, initially, I had a download feature so that if you wanted to watch it offline, you could just mm. download the video. And I built this really nice little download mechanism that worked off, um, you know, in the background and all that good stuff, uh, you know, continued when it was interrupted. Uh, I spent a lot of time on it. And they said, no, mm. you can't do that because you don't have permission from these third parties, the people that own the content. So you're going to have to pull the download feature. So that policy doesn't withstand a whole lot of scrutiny when you think about it. My chief concern when I went to App Review was that Apple would interpret uh, the saving of the file, of the saving of the, um, the metadata, if you will, mm-hmm. as, quote, downloading. All right? Mm-hmm. And if that were the case, if, they, if by saving a, a video to Magpie constituted downloading in their eyes, then Magpie would be dead. It would not exist because that is its most essential function. And in fact, that's exactly what Apple was saying when they rejected the OS X version. When the OS X re- uh, rejection came, they said that you can't download things. And as a screenshot to illustrate it, they showed the, um, the Safari extension saving a video. Okay? Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, at that point, all my alarm bells are going off. And I'm, yeah. I'm now thinking that they believe that Magpie can't save videos at all. Uh, so right. that's why I filed an appeal at that point. Uh-huh. Um, they responded very quickly, thankfully. So it was just one day later, and they they didn't say no. That's not what we meant. They just said uh, we won't let you download actual video without permission from the people that own the content. They own the copyright, yeah, exactly, um, or whatever. So yeah. pull that, and, and so I wrote back and I said, okay, so I'm going to pull that download feature. That's fine. Will that satisfy you? And they didn't say yes. But they said, we look forward to your next release. And I'm like, okay. So I pulled the download feature from iOS and Mac and resubmitted. Mm-hmm. And then the OS X version got rejected again, like a couple days later. And that, that time, the reason was, again, the, the name of the app, which they weren't <laughs> satisfied with, as well as uh, they felt that a description uh, in the app description, something... Uh, something referring to downloading appeared in the description to that to them, even uh, though I, right. I had updated it, but I don't know. Um, and also, when they tried to save a video using the extension, it broke. Something happened. There was a bug. Hmm. And so, you know, I've tested hundreds and hundreds of 
of URLs against Magpie and not seeing what they're talking about. So I wrote back and I said, what video, you know, like they, they mentioned YouTube, but what YouTube video was it so that I can try it myself? Because mm-hmm. I don't know, it's working fine here. And, and so that was two weeks ago. And so mm-hmm. I'm still waiting to hear back on that one. Meanwhile, on Tuesday night, last night, the iOS version got rejected again. Um, mm-hmm. And that was because uh, there was some metadata problems. And I'm going to look it up. Oh, yes, it was uh, being signed into iCloud. So if you um, aren't signed into iCloud, Magpie's not going to work for you because it uses CloudKit to store your data. So it syncs between your all your devices. Right, um, right. And when they opened it, it said that they weren't signed into iCloud. I have a check on startup to ensure that you are. And they said, yeah. we were signed into iCloud, but the app says we're not, and it's not working. I can't replicate that at all. I've actually only ever seen that happen uh, during the earlier stages of development and only in the simulator, yeah. and it got yeah. fixed when Xcode got updated. You know, so hmm. it's a problem that some people have had, uh, but the simulator got fixed in an update to Xcode. Um, so what? So what's the what's the worst that can happen if you you know iterate the build number and then send in a, a like actually send do nothing again and just sort of say fixed? Yeah, because uh, because you know the, the reality is is that you don't get the same tester every single time, and some some testers are are more you know are, use more scrutiny than others. I mean, I've had like I told you before. I've, I've had the same exact build submitted under two different developer accounts, and one got rejected, and the other one didn't. So, and, and there's no difference in the build other than than the you know the signer, as it were, right? Huh. Well, no, that never occurred to me because I'm I'm assuming that whatever happened in this instance was 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 going to happen again. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could be it could be a. Um, an outlier type thing and it just it just happened and that is that is one of the you know the i forget there's a list somewhere of, of reasons why your app will get rejected and one of them is if it crashes during testing you know too bad right uh but many apps crash for many different reasons and some of them aren't all related to your code sometimes it's just something in in the operating system seems to be a, a problem right so you know because I've, I've seen things crash on on apps and trace through them and, and never seen that crash again you know so, yeah i guess i i don't know <laughs> i mean actual crash let me three times today sure. like hello yeah. well my, my whole <laughs> mac just died this afternoon i was in the middle yeah. of xcode editing a document and the power just died the computer mm-hmm. was off really yeah. was it plugged yeah, in yeah, and yeah. Et yeah it was crazy it just turned off i had to like wow. pull it off my uh, i have my my macbook uh plugged into um my monitor, an external monitor, yeah. and so my gypsy cursed to you at work this afternoon. You cursed me today. <laughs> well, it worked, yes. So uh, I had to actually turn it back on again, and uh, you know, came up and said, "Yeah, you had a kernel panic, and uh, would you like to file a report with Apple?" Yeah, yeah. Weird. Well, I knew, and, it's, and just on the subject of rejections, I mean, I've had a, we've had a number of rejections. Some of them were, you know, we had at one point we had a they had a contest that they referred to, and Apple rejected it because we had to state in the in on the page that was visible when you went to enter the contest that Apple was not in no way was this affiliated with Apple, and Apple was not responsible, and don't call Apple if you don't win, and you know, pretty much had to say this, you know, put a disclaimer in there saying that it had nothing to do with Apple, and it was it was just literally a, a label of text we had to put in the app to get it approved it was ridiculous but, hmm. 
And the only thing I, I, the only thing I can think of is as well. Maybe they do they do attach cases to your to your bills, and that maybe some you know somebody gets your a reviewer might get it and go, okay, well these are the previous reasons why the app was rejected. Let's see what you know if if this has been covered up. So do they give you any information about? what environment that they're testing on because maybe they're testing on something that you haven't actually tried with like some particular flavor of mac os 10. uh well okay this is the ios version in this case um <laughs> oh, they the say iOS version okay yeah they say it's an ipad running 8.3 that's the information i get um yeah. which of course is an environment i've tested on extensively um and running it on an ipad air running 8.3 right now no problems um and i've you know my my beta testers have a, a fairly decent range of equipment as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think pretty much every common iPad and iPhone model is is represented. Uh, and I just haven't seen this happen before, except as I said in the simulator, and that was uh, several months ago. So, well, the the nut here is that um, without being able to replicate it, I I can't move forward, and I don't believe that I can uh, count on this not happening again next time I submit, and so. I filed a DTS uh, request uh, in this one, mm -hmm. the Developer Technical Services, is that what it is? Um, support, Developer Technical right. Support. And uh, you, as a member of the iOS and Mac program, mm -hmm. you get two of these per year. Mm -hmm. And it's it's pretty unusual. Like, I might use one in the course of a year, yeah. but, uh, you know, I've never used two. So this is a, it, it's like... Um, phone a friend. Phone a friend, something like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like playing a trump card, and it allows yeah. you to get a response from someone who actually should know what the hell they're talking about, unlike me, to, uh, to make a call on this and to say whether it's, you know, is this a bug or, yeah, we're aware of this and this is, here's a workaround that you can do. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not a, a phone a friend. It's something that you can't use very often. You've got to really... Yeah, you have to you have to make you have to make it worth a while. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And so I decided that in this case I'm going to spend it, um, mm. and and hopefully get this through. And that's the do you haven't had a response in a week? Is that the one you're? No, saying, no, or? I just did that oh. today because this. The, oh, I see. Yeah. Come on, Tim, keep track, right? Because this is crazy and it's confusing. I get that. <laughs> no, I, no. What I was going to say was what this. This is where where it's pet peeve time. In that you know, this is a perfect perfect case where someone would take their code to a lab at WWDC. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know. Well, you know, at the so. very least, I would like all I could do personally. Is is yeah. tell this uh, support engineer what what app review had found, but meanwhile yeah. I'm going to start it up right here, and you're not going to see any such problem. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, here let me show you the nothing that happens. You know, great. You know, thanks. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. that's really not useful in any way, shape, or form. So, it's it's driving me a little crazy, but uh, you know, it's not like I've never run into situations like this before. But uh, uh, it's it's actually you know I think the the thing that frustrates me the most right now. Um, is is the fact that I've waited two weeks on the OS X version to get a response back? Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. feel like that's way too long. Yeah, and th this is part of the part of the problem with Apple being such a black box. Sometimes you know you have no idea what's what's going on. You know when you reach out for help, and unless you have you know uh, um, some sort of agreement like this, this uh, DTS as you call it is a is like an Apple Care kind of situation for developers, right? Yeah. So. Um, I think I've used one in, in five years. Right? right. So right. you just you just sort of muddle through and you you know, you figure it out and you reach out to other people who are better, you know, debuggers than you are perhaps and figure out how how, how something like that might uh, 
might manifest, right? So, because it's you know, it's it's you're you're right. It's like you're working in the dark here, right? You're working in the dark one because you don't know you can't prove you can't reproduce the bug that they're talking about, and second, they're not being very forthcoming with any kind of you know information. Yeah, really yeah. I mean, I'd love it. I mean, it's been like it's been like that since the very beginning. Like yeah. since the iPad came out, we kind of were started building apps for iPad before we even saw the hardware. You know, and and the same thing now with the watch. You know, the fact that we're we're actually we were building apps for you know six months or so, three months, whatever it was, before we actually got hardware in our hands, and then and then to find out you know that things like are really frustrating. Like, so I'm kind of curious. Does this crash not show up in your crash reporting? Whatever it is you happen to be using, it's not a crash. That's the first thing. Um, this is just something not happening as expected. So, essentially, what's happening here in this case is um, for CloudKit. When I start the app, I make a call to the container that that will be used to store the data for that CloudKit or iCloud user, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a call that's like uh, something like "Is account available?" So the uh, the CK container has a method account status with completion handler. And then you get back the account status. And I'm basically checking to see if it's not equal. I, I want to make sure that it's anything other, or if it is anything other than CK account status available, then you've got a problem, mm-hmm. right? And so this is like very straightforward API, as far as I'm concerned, that um, if, if you're logged in <laughs> as an iCloud user, uh, this is going to return with a CK account status available, and you can just breeze on by the, all this error stuff, right? But in this case, for Apple, they're clearly running into a case where they have logged into iCloud, but when they co- show up in my app and look for that um, that container and get the account status, it's not available. It's something other than that. So it's an Apple framework. Yeah. So like, I would love to say, you know, here, here's my actual Xcode project. Put a breakpoint on line 49 and <laughs> tell me what the account status is. <laughs> uh, obviously, I can't do that. But, um, you know, the fact is this is not a crash. This is just the framework reporting the wrong value in a case where it really ought to be saying that they are logged in. And then that manifests itself to the user as sorry, couldn't complete operation or something. Uh, yeah, I just say not logged into iCloud. You must be logged into iCloud to use this app. Visit settings iCloud. So anyway, it's just not working right, and I don't know why. And it's it's working fine for me. Works fine for me. TM. Uh, <laughs> uh, so if it were a bug reporter, I would close this ticket, and that would be it. But you can't do that with Apple. So um, I'm just waiting, and that's that's really what it's all about. I was just actually looking at my uh, my history, my review uh, status history, and I've been in review now for over a month. Wow! Wow! You know, since I started this this great process. So, um, you know, they say you have to plan for that sort of thing, but uh, this is it's getting a little silly. You got it. All righty. Um... Ten to the hour. I hope we're all standing up. <laughs> Do you know it's? Uh, I didn't get my notice. Oh, you know I'm on do not disturb. That's why. Yep. Uh, just yeah, it's funny. I, I tweeted that. I said that to, to a bunch of guys in the in one of the slacks, and I sort of said, "Hey, you know, it's ten and two. Or why aren't you guys standing?" And half of them didn't get the notice. So, is it? Can you adjust that time? No, I don't think you can. But uh, I think what it does is, <coughs> if you have been standing, then it won't bug you about it. 
Yeah, I wonder because I because I literally this morning was was you know in the kitchen making a coffee, feeding a dog, whatever, and I came and sat at my computer, and then it said time to stand. I went uh, no. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's the intention of the functionality. Whether it actually works or not is an entirely different question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and we've talked about that before, I think, on the show that, you know, why can't, or maybe I think I talked with Brian about it, like, why can't these devices know when I'm leaving my house and therefore, you know, I'm maybe going for a walk or doing some exercising and couldn't it, couldn't something be triggered to say, I realize we're talking about a 1.0 product here, but couldn't something be triggered to say, hey, are you doing, are you up for a walk right now? Would you like to be recording this activity? You know, anyway. But I think they have the information to do that because on the today view, you can see information, or at least I see information. Like yeah. It will take you 45 minutes to get to home. It will yeah. take you half an hour to get to work. And I'm like, oh, so you know based on times of day and activities and so forth and pattern analysis that this spot is home, this spot is work. And yeah. so in your scenario, um, at least if you're going to go on a walk from your home, that's, I mean, that's trivial. It's like, are you home? Yes. Mm -hmm. Are you home? No. Okay. Trigger this other function. Another interesting story that came up just a couple of days ago, I think actually, uh, I guess last week, I guess, right. Uh, about redacted uh, kind of hit the store in a, in a, in a screaming hurry and uh, became like a number one apps Mac app store within minutes. Um, the thing that's interesting about the story isn't that he did particularly well on the app store. Um, mm -hmm. It's the fact that he did as well as he did while earning very, very little money. The idea that, that he had, he had done so well, it was very public that he had reached uh, quite a level. He was the number one, number eight top paid app in the U S on his launch day. This is a couple weeks ago, by the way, at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, he was also the number one paid app in the graphics category by the end of his launch day. Uh, there was a, there's a service called Product Hunt that you may be mm -hmm. familiar with. Um, and he got a ton of votes there, 538 upvotes for an app, which I would be pretty excited about if, if it were my app. So mm -hmm. um, when, when that happened, he, he got a lot of queries from friends who said, wow, you must be rolling in it. You must have tens of thousands of dollars in your pocket now. And so he got pretty excited himself until the next morning when he got up and actually looked at what he'd made the day before. And uh, the number is actually surprising he had sold 94 units on his launch day with a total of 452 dollars worth of sales um after his, after the app store cut 300 dollars he made on that day and that's that's the kind of sales you make on the mac app store when you're number one in graphics or number eight in top paid the eighth mm -hmm. the eighth top selling product made 300 dollars in a day now, mm -hmm. if you make $300 a day every day, then that might be fine. Uh, you know, right. it's not going to make you rich, but, you know, it's decent. Um, but, of course, that's not what happens, right? So, like, the next day, you're actually, like, dramatically lower in the, in the rankings, right? And, and the, the next day after that, same thing. So, the problem here is that um, the Mac App Store kind of ends up looking like a wasteland at this point, right? Mm -hmm. So, you can get up to that kind of level and end up actually not making much in the way of money. It turns out that if that's the case, the, the Mac App Store is just not a place to make so many any kind of serious dollars. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's kind of a heartbreaking story. 
Yeah, and just to, just to sort of back up what you were just saying there, like typically when you launch an app, there's a big giant spike at the beginning as, as it falls into the sort of new and exciting apps that are out there. And there's, if you look at your, your sales trend, there's a giant leap. And then it plummets back down to earth, and then it just sort of grumbles along you know, the lower axis for a while. And maybe once in a while it'll it'll kick up a, a, a bit if you have a sale or something. But yeah, or yeah, if you know never, somebody you never get up. that never get that initial, you know, the very first day that your app is out or first couple of days your app is out. It seems like oh here we're going to be well, you better order the yacht now, you know, sort of thing. Uh, and then then you come back you crash down to earth really quickly, you know. At least that's been my experience with just about every app that I've ever had. It's to, the uh, most common pattern of sales that we ever see. Whenever anyone yeah. posts a like. Never mind the numbers, but just a graph of their sales yeah, yeah. Uh, over time. Like every day is a, is a bar in the graph. Um, it's it's just like a, a reverse hockey stick, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, from left mm-hmm. to right, top right down to nothing. Um, and with, with occasional spikes, of course, um, sometimes developers see like a spike of several sales uh, more than they expect in a given day because, uh, say, a, a tech publishing outlet has has pointed out uh, this product in a link um, or they ship an update. Uh, an update is often a big way to get publicity about your product and increase sales. Uh, mm-hmm. But you almost never get the same kind of splash as you do on launch day, uh, no, which, true. which is, it's the worst thing about the app store. And that's, that's actually why uh, we have so many low quality apps on the store because it's really not worth it to improve apps uh, because of that, that uh, phenomenon. Oh yeah, that's why we end up with a lot of zombie apps and things, exactly. things like yeah. that as well. People abandon them, right? Yeah, well, that's what I did, right? And all my, every one of my apps, I had to pull from the store because there was no sense in updating them. Yeah. Hmm. And but so, you, you Tim, have a whack of apps in the store right now, right? I do, and 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 again, to to uh, it just so happens like, we talked. I think we talked about Pi Day Countdown a couple of weeks ago, yep. and and. Um, that was there was an anomaly with that one in that that this year being a, an auspicious Pi Day, you know, third uh, of uh, March fourteenth, twenty fifteen. So three one four one five. All of a sudden, it, it spiked in downloads. It had more downloads than any of my apps ever have had in like you know a cup for a couple of, for leading up to Pi Day, and then a little bit trickled after that. And then it's like, I mean, I totally out of the blue you know i I like to keep my apps on the store and and update them but i you know like i sort of said there's they're like little hobbies that i go in and tweak every now and then and add a new feature here and there sort of thing right so yeah i mean you've got no financial incentive to do so that's for sure no no i mean well you know over over time i mean you know the the one app that i that i have had that has sold the most has paid for you know the translation that i had to do and it's paid for the design and you know, it's paid for some of the work that I've done over over the years, but not you know. And, and actually, I've seen my the amount of money I make every month go down and down and down. Even uh, certain certainly things have changed quite a bit on the App Store. Yeah, no kidding. You know, but that's just iOS I'm talking about. I, I don't have any Mac apps, so. Well, that's the thing is that like given the size of the Mac App Store, you're definitely looking at um, you know like Canada versus U.S phenomenon you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um where it's just it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's an order of magnitude larger over there on ios us is to ios as canada is to mac so let me ask you this question I, I i haven't looked at the numbers but do we know how many watch apps there are out i mean there were around three thousand or so on release day or when they, when the watch hit the streets 
Uh, do we know where we are with that now, or I'll I'll look it up. But if if you could answer this, um, so what is? Can you fill us in on what Product Hunt is? I mean, I I I had heard of it, but I hadn't actually had had a chance to go look at it. And I just looked at it now. So can you explain to our listeners what Product Hunt may be? It's just like a crowdsourced way of surfacing. Uh, new products essentially and it, it can be anything uh, it can be software but it, it you know, like I'm just actually looking at the home page right now and uh, it's a list of anything um, I, I see books here I see Spotify came up with a new um, a change to their service today and so that's here um, uh, it does seem to be quite heavily focused towards software and you know that's uh, kind of what I have ever used it for. Uh, and the idea is it's very much like a Reddit in that um, people post these things and people vote them up. And so you can look at a given product and you can see the um, a description about it. Actually, this uh, that was just a link to the product itself, but there's actually a page for it. Bloody hell. <laughs> actually get to the page for it. Here it is. And you can look at details about it. It gives you some information. It gives you uh, um, uh, product info, the people that have voted for it, and then people can discuss it. And this is where you get some pretty great in-depth conversation about the capabilities of the app and what it does for you. Um, for anybody who's developing a product, um, you know, again, like like all things <laughs> these days, um, whether you get really caught up on this thing or not. Um, is, is, I don't know. I don't even know. You know, it's just a matter of luck, really. Hmm. You know, so something like Redacted, like just, just to be clear, what is, what is Redacted? That Mac app we were talking about. It, it, it's a, it's a tool that lets you take pictures that you intend to post online and obscure parts of it. Okay. So like if you were going to post your driver's license, which is the example that Sam Softface uses there, uh, you can, you can like fuzz out the important bits, like your address. Like you don't want people on the internet seeing your address, right? And so uh, this is just an app that does that. It's a very simple app. Um, and it's it's hardly something that's going to set the world on fire. Um, but it's really nicely done because it's a Sam Softface product, of course. And um, and it's, it's quirky enough that it caught people's interest. And so it really kind of took off on Product Hunt. You know, there was sort of a social networking effect uh, abetted, I'm sure, by Sam's popularity. You know, he's he's a fairly well-established uh, software developer. Um, like you might remember him from a few year, a uh, couple years ago, maybe, where he had I can't remember the name, but now, but he had like a to-do list platform. Was it Tangerine or Orange or something like that? Was it Cheddar? Is he the same? Yeah, Cheddar. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so he had this this app. Um, as well as a server platform for uh, managing to-dos called Cheddar. And it wasn't working out for him, so he decided he was going to sell the whole thing. Here's my whole business. I'm going to sell it to you. And uh, he laid out the price. It was like 150000 or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Um, I'm not sure if he actually ended up selling it or not, but still very interesting. Um, and, you know, like his work is really top quality. So I'm not surprised that he got sort of, you know, what's the phrase, you know, like picked up, if you will, by Product Hunt. But a, there's a, a pretty significant size community that frequents this site. And if they take a shine to your app, a ton of people, hundreds of people upvoting it, 
then uh, that's a really nice boost for your launch day. So like uh, here, let me search for um, redacted on this site. And here it is. It's got 635 upvotes and it's got a description. It's got the Vimeo screencast about the app. And then it's got a whole bunch of discussion all the way down the list. And in which Sam Soface himself is responding, you know, like this is great stuff. So you could basically come here every day and sort of kind of catch up on what people are saying about your app. Yeah. Now, does it, does it, um, like I just, I did find redacted in the list here, but does it, does it, uh, move it up every day or does it just stay in the one position where it first appeared kind of thing? Or like, do things get carried forward as they gain in popularity? Well, if you did a search for it, then it's appearing at the top of the list right now. And if you tap the, no, I didn't search for it. I scrolled down to May oh. 5th and found it. Oh, there. did you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well then it's going to stay where it is in that list. It'll continue to be bumped back. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And so again, like, like many such things, uh, this, this site product hunt, uh, tends to focus on the new, right? Because it surfaces yeah. by chronological order. Right, right. Um, and you can't you can't sort it by number of likes or whatever. It doesn't look like it, does it? Hmm. No, no, no. Product Anywho. Hunt reminds me a lot of um, a site that was called Dig. D I G G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's essentially Dig for stuff instead of Dig for articles. Um, hmm. Kind of as an aside, I wonder if it'll end up suffering from the same problems that that Dig ran into with the different clicks and kind of mob mentality that ends up ruining the product. So that's a challenge for them. Did Dig go away? They went away and then they came back. Uh, they, yeah. they had a relaunch fairly recently. Yeah, just like MySpace yeah. went away and came back. Same kind of back. <laughs> To some yeah, extent, I don't even know if it's actually still running now, but Justin Timberlake brought back MySpace. Oh, did really? he really? I did not know that. <laughs> I think he was wow. Justin Timberlake. It was some pop star that was uh, investing in it. Um, yeah, yeah. But be that as it may, um, there was another blog post, or, or maybe it was just a tweet stream from, um, or storm from Daniel Jalkett, where he, he kind of pointed out, like, okay, so this is in the paid section or the paid charts. But there's another chart that involves money, and that's the top grossing. And I think Redacted yes. didn't even come close to that. And and I think the take there was, okay, well, what this means is that the Mac App Store is pretty much like the iOS App Store, and that freemium is the way to go if you want to be in the big leagues you know, in terms of money. If you want to yeah. be the Zynga, if you want to be King, if you want to be you know, so forth. Some kind of D-bag is what you're saying. <laughs> probably disproportionately you know bad people bad companies i'm sure on those lists um yeah but um you know, not always the case but it, it's kind of just the reality right of i was like oh my gosh is it like this top paid is like yeah because nobody wants to pay for apps i mean that's that's kind of like the thing that's that's the struggle and redacted is kind of a weird one that it's i wouldn't say that it's really a professional or prosumer market um, leans a little bit more towards consumer-ish, and that's a tough market, right? Real tough. Um, it's not like let's say um, developer tools, which you have a, a market that's willing, has money, and is willing to spend money for that that sort of stuff. And, and we've talked about that before as well. But coming back to uh, the um, Watchware was the site I was trying to remember, um, 
And like I said, I think there was around just around 3,000 apps when the app store or when the yeah. watch first hit the streets. There's about 4,500 now. Okay. So, so it's still time if you want to get your big watch idea out there. Yeah, you know. Jim, you got the best one. Go. <laughs> Actually, I thought of another one today too. So we'll see. It might be easier to easier to execute. Hmm. Okay, so we'll wrap up and go around the table like we always do, and we'll start off and see if Aaron has a pick. Hmm. Do you have a pick? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, my pick is. Oh, hi, mate. Do you have a pick? <laughs> I do have a pick. Uh, I mentioned Venmo earlier in this podcast. Um, this is kind of an older blog post from their engineering team, but I think it's still a pretty good one. And it's a list of third party components that they happen to use in the Venmo app for, um, you know, peer to peer payments app, if you're not familiar with Venmo. And they also have a list of the different components and tools that they themselves have open sourced. So uh, I know a lot of people ask, like, you know, how can I get into this sort of thing? What, you know, uh, here's just this app idea I have. I really don't want to worry about, you know, all this crazy networking stuff. Like, okay, that's fine. AF networking is an obvious one to go. That's right. Or I want to handle, um, you know, using touch ID. It's like, okay, great. Well, they've got a... Um, Venmo touch lock. That's our touch ID plus pin code integration. Right. So something for people to look at. Pretty good wow. resource. Pretty extensive resource. It is extensive. Yeah. It's crazy. Ton of stuff. Ayaka yeah, Nonaka no. again. Yes. It's it's the Ayaka Nonaka show. This is awesome. <laughs> wow. What a great name though, eh? Some, some names just have such a wonderful assonance that. And she has a panda hat on too in her, in her avatar, doesn't she? Or something like that. She does. <laughs> and a grimace or some other pained look on her face for the photo. Cool. Well, that rings a bell. I think you've retweeted her several times. Mm -hmm. That rings a bell. Okay. Yeah. Great stuff yeah. in here. Tim, what's your pick? Well, my pick. Uh, actually, before I get to my pick, I, I, I do have a suggestion for you, Aaron. Why don't you tell us about your experience with Pass or Passbook? Oh, on my watch, you mean? Yeah, because for those of you who don't know outside of the United States, we don't have Apple Pay yet. What? So, <laughs> what? So, so, so when I when I go to buy a coffee and I go to Starbucks, I have to use Passbook to pay for my coffee. And I did that the other day, and it was pretty cool. So, But I, I noticed Aaron was tweeting today about using Passbook on his, uh, his devices. As well. I'll, I'll just leave it at that and let you go. Okay. Well, Passbook was introduced in iOS uh, 6. Right? Yeah, six. That makes yep. sense because we're in eight. Okay. Okay. So it's I'm been sure around. I mean, for... we'll correct you in a second. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, I mean, I like... know because I was I was at that WWDC the very last time that I. Went I didn't there. see you. I'm telling you, I didn't oh, see you there. There we go. Come on. Anyway, go on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, and obviously we, we were all excited about Passbook, but um, in day to day use, it turns out that I never really had much use for it. Um, you know, it was for boarding passes. I don't really fly. And even if I did, uh, they gave me a piece of paper and I, I never had like a passbook sort of thing. Um, and it just, it just has never come up. I don't know why, but it hasn't until um, last week. I went to a Jays game. I bought the tickets online via Ticketmaster. And Ooh. they uh, they sent me a, 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 a passbook pass for the tickets. Cool. And so I had it on my phone. Um, and turns out that Passbook happens on the watch as well. And so everything that you have on your phone, you have on your watch also. And so when I arrived at the Rogers Center on Monday, Victoria Day, the um, 
the passbook came up on my watch. And I thought, oh my God, look at this. <laughs> so, oh, you didn't even know it was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to happen. It was, wow. it was shocking to me. I was blown huh. away. Um, and so I used it and it worked beautifully. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, and then again, I was at Starbucks tonight and I walked in and my watch lights up and I've got my passbook for my pass for the Starbucks app. Now this normally comes up on my phone, but I normally just ignore it and swipe into the app and pay. But mm -hmm. with it on my watch, it was like, there's the QR code right on my watch face. Ding, done. It was, it was magic, man. So cool. like there's like two times in not, not two weeks in, in less than one week where I've used pass passbook and, uh, and you know, just having it on your wrist, I think is pretty stunning. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I mean, I've used passbook with for movie theater tickets and, and Starbucks and things like that. And, uh, you know, I've got on planes with it using my phone that is right. So, right, but, but right. yeah, it is kind of cool that you're, you're right. Everything like I've even got my WWDC 14 ticket on my passbook, you know, on my watch. As useless as that as it is, you know, I still have it. It's useless now. <laughs> well, but you know what? It's like one of these things where you, it's like, what do you do with passbook tickets once once you use them? Well, you, Scott you Forstall showed you. You shred them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And and where is Scott Forstall today? Oh, uh, never mind. Yeah. Well, they changed that. So it's no longer the skeuomorphic shredder, which I, oh, I always loved. Now ah. it's like, you know, the final scene in Terminator 2 when the term, spoiler alert, the Terminator is consumed by the molten metal. Oh god, oh, really? really? Is that what happened? Oh no, hi mate, come on. Do so you remember they showed like the internal representation and you know of, of all of these errors and the screens going crazy and then it yeah, just yeah. you know becomes this fade to black into a zero point of like yeah. power off kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I've still got That's my baseball like tickets that. here. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna see what happens. Delete. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's like a a, a TV screen shutting off. Mm-hmm. Oh, it goes to the, to the center? like Yeah. Huh. You cool. Just like in Mad Men when his TV stops working. Actually, you know what it reminds me of? I don't know if this still happens, but on Android devices, uh, like yeah. the, the Nexus One that I used to have, yeah. um, when you put it to sleep, it would do the same sort of thing. Oh, really? Huh. True story. So, Sort of like a little black hole kind of effect, right? Uh, no, it's like a, like a TV, like an old style t TV tube shutting off. Mm -hmm, and it, mm -hmm, it just mm -hmm. like all the lines go down into the middle horizontal single horizontal line in the middle then it disappears cool so all right so my pick this week is a bit of a rant and it is uh i really would like to thank apple and the fine folks who make yosemite and uh ios for our devices for screwing up my entire day today when i tried to update my watch my phone to 8.3 and took my computer and my watch and my phone down for at least an hour while I had to go and throw away things because there was no room on my stupid little device to store all the stuff that they wanted me to put on there. So it's just, it's my point is that Yosemite has got to be the most bug written operating system I have used in, I don't know how many years, you know, there's so much, it's so counterproductive to, to doing work. And, and Aaron, you were saying earlier today that your Mac decided to become a brick as well at one point. Yeah. Yeah, it KP'd on me this afternoon, yes. Um, I I just, <laughs> I, I don't even know, you know, because there's a lot of idiosyncrasies to individual people's problems yeah. with their Macs. And mm -hmm. um, we obviously cannot 
uh, quantitatively tell you whether one release of software feels worse than another, but certainly Yosemite feels like it's got its issues that have not been dealt with. Well, and, and to be honest with you, I do, I do, I will cut them some slack in that they're trying to do a whole lot of complicated stuff all at once. But like, you know, like today when I was having issues with, with Overcast turned out because, because I wasn't on 8.3 on my phone, that's why I wasn't getting the latest, greatest Overcast, which took me a while to figure out. Um, but then when I decided, okay, fine, I had a, you know, a couple of minutes to kill. I, I, I'll do a quick update on my machine. And next thing I know, my Mac is complaining it's running out of disk space because, you know, Xcode's using up all kinds of cache space and there's all kinds of things going on on Yosemite. And the only remedy for it was to reboot the computer, you know, and then, and then try and figure out where all the extra space was being consumed and toss it out. And then my watch stopped behaving properly. So I had to actually reboot the watch today as well. So it was just, it was like one thing after another, like a cascading effect. And it just seems that maybe they're not really paying attention to what they're doing over there, which I think we've said before. Well, I, I think the, the problem is just that they, they have these annual monolithic software releases. Mm -hmm. And when they came out with Yosemite, there were like, we talked about uh, discovery D last week. Yeah. Yeah. And, they didn't fix it in the beta. They came out with like 10.10.1. It wasn't fixed. Yeah. And maybe 10.10.2 came out. And then the, the bulk of the engineering effort is now going towards 10.11. Mm -hmm. And so they're not working on the big issues anymore. They're working on like little bug fixes maybe. But now the teams have moved on to working on the next big headlining features of the next version of the operating system. And they haven't taken care of the crap that we're dealing with with this one yeah so what do you think is going to happen you know in a couple of weeks when when the big you know keynote happens do you think it's going to be like they're going to roll out ios 9 and they're going to roll out the next big mountain you know <laughs> national park operating system yeah without giving it a second thought or I, that's exactly what i think is going to happen now it's yeah. possible that there will be a discovery d 2.0 in there like it it's possible that they'll just roll out a you know we rewrote this thing from the ground up you know like file vault the original yeah. file vault was was not a good piece of software right, um, right. and people lost data using it mm, but when really? file vault 2 came out that was a it was totally different mm -hmm. the only mm -hmm. thing that was the same about it was the name <laughs> right, right because uh in the interval apple came up with uh uh core storage the the framework for managing storage virtually and that enabled them to do whole disk encryption properly Right, mm -hmm. something that File Vault didn't really do, but File Vault Two, with that foundation layer underneath it, was able to implement full disk encryption in a way that is a ton more secure and reliable. And so, you really ought to be using it. So, anyway, uh, I would say that it's if Apple has to address the Discovery D issues, there's no question about it because everything relies on it. And it's screwing up everything um, in just like we talked about last week in all kinds of ways that um, that people aren't going to understand when they go awry. Right. So like Jaime, when we talk about like the, the radiation pouring through my house and screwing <laughs> up my network, it's almost certainly traceable back to Discovery D, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, you said you had some issues, too, right? I mean, I had some today that was really weird. I mean. I haven't looked, but maybe Discovery D is going wild, but maybe the router got flooded with way too many of the same laptop or something crazy like that. Yeah. Well, there's um, this like poison cache issue that we're seeing, and 
Um, you know, it's it's going to take some time to work out. But I, I suspect that Apple's... I wouldn't be surprised, let's say, if if Apple, you know, maybe not made a head, headline feature, but, you know, just said, hey, you know, like, by the way, part of 10.11 is a new version of Discovery D. And, you know, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> <laughs> they clap and you ooh. Yeah. Thank God, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> so this is interesting. So you, Tim, you had an anti-pick for your pick. Yeah. <laughs> So what exactly is the pick per se? <laughs> what, you what feel like we're like Andy Rooney's with? like segment on sixty minutes. Yeah, well, somebody, yeah, Mark wasn't here to be grumpy, so so it was you. Fine, well, let's turn that frown good. upside down. So let's let's take. <laughs> it's unfortunate that you ran into that situation, but yeah, here's. Yeah. And I think I mentioned it once before. Let's just reiterate for all the kids out there. Yeah. So here's here's how you go about it. If I mean, you're not going to eliminate every possible problem, but it no. kind of helps. So. One thing I heard was, hey, I had a few minutes. I was going to go update. It's like, no, <laughs> no, not, <laughs> not at the operating system level. You can do that with an app. You can do it with other things. For me, what you got to do is you set aside some, you know, set aside a night to do it. Yeah, right? that's true. You, you want to take a backup. You want to get some wine. <laughs> you got to <laughs> get a book or <laughs> something. While movie on, updating, exactly. yeah. See how it goes. Uh, I went through that with the watch stuff last night where I saw, oh, you know, during the day, 1.0.1 came out. I was like, oh, right. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I have had the watch for less than a week. I'm not going to watch it become a brick after all of this heartache. <laughs> okay. So I, I carefully watched what people were doing on Twitter and what they were doing on the Ars Technica forums, making sure that nothing crazy was happening. Everybody was pretty happy with it. So I was like, great, mm -hmm. pretty low risk. Let me go update it. Mm -hmm. And that's generally what I do, too. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, I do too. I mean, I, I my iPad, I updated it to eight point three a, a month ago, and then quickly found out, oh wait, I have to update my Xcode as well. So I did that, and then and so I just never got around to doing my phone because I was too busy working. And and today I actually had uh, some time this afternoon. I thought, okay, well, and I was getting a little bit of grief from my fellow podcaster there. Um, Hi. And, <laughs> and so I, uh, so I, uh, I, I threw caution to the wind. I figured if, if if Aaron hadn't bricked his phone yet, it would probably be safe, right? So um, I went ahead and did it. And and then next thing I know, and then it just cascaded. It just my 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 Mac, you know, start, a Google Drive is telling me I'm running out of space, and you know, and as as the the phone was trying to back itself up to the to the, my computer, which is kind of ridiculous, and then. Um, and then you know, then everything becomes unresponsive when you run out of space on your computer and you're trying to bail stuff out. And uh, and then the, the to add insult or injury, the watch at started acting bizarre. I I've, I will say about 1.1 um, update, and maybe you've noticed it too, Aaron. Is that 1.01? Is that um, when you turn your wrist to your face, it's much more responsive than it used to be. Have you noticed anything like that? Or frankly, no, I haven't noticed no? anything. Well, that's one thing I'll say that that seems to be much more responsive. But but and the reason why I knew it was something that was up with my watch today was because after I updated my phone, all of a sudden my watch started behaving erratically, right? And then I thought, well, okay, then I'll just power it down and, and do a reboot, and and that seems to have solved the problem. But uh, there was obviously something weird going on there. So yeah, what are you gonna say? But I mean, it's just the kind of this is the kind of stuff that you know, like you say, Jaime, you have to, you shouldn't have to put aside. A large amount of time to do that, and and to be honest with you, I guess that's what, one of the reasons why I don't tend to update quite re as regularly as other people do. You know, so like it, apparently when I put screenshots on my homepage up on 
sites, uh, Greg gets all bent out of shape about the fact that I haven't updated my 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 apps. So, uh, yeah. or or that I've got you know a hundred unanswered emails and whatever what have you. That's an entirely separate discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I've, I know people who've got like three thousand unanswered emails. Give me a break, right? Yeah, unread. You mean unread? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, is... no. Sometimes I sometimes I, I I mark them as unread just to keep. That's my to do list. I'm I'm of the. I think it was one of the guys in the Absolute podcast was was making a claim for the fact that his inbox was was his to-do list and and safari with all the windows he had open on safari were also his to-do list for follow-up items for later that would be john syracuse yeah and that's one of the reasons why i uh got that my pick a couple of weeks ago was that pocket app which you know i've basically been putting things in the pocket but never gone back and looked at them um so that's really productive I did want to mention before we go that um, Van Hawks is a company in Toronto that does make smart bikes, and they have a, they're looking for an iOS developer. Um, one of the guys is a friend of the show, and I said I would mention that they were looking for some people. So that's vanhawks.com, so you can probably find some information about that. You put a link in the show and notes? I will put a link in the show, show notes. I also wanted to mention another friend of the show, Ben Morrow, who resides in San Francisco, is hosting a watch hackathon. I think it's the Saturday after uh, WWC, um, and there'll be a, it's basically hackathon.com, uh, hackathon.watch slash pound watch kit what? I'll put a link to the sh- yeah i know <laughs> just put a link in the show notes i'll put a link in the show what notes even i don't know yeah. but if you're but if you're in san francisco and you're hanging around and, and you've you know you're 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 not burnt out after seeing all the watch kit stuff at wwc uh you can go and join in the hackathon and meet a bunch of other developers and like-minded individuals and have a good old time so Jaime, are you going to spend any extra time in san francisco when you're down there or no i'm any coming plans? back on friday evening I know that oh. Friday is usually just the morning is recap of sessions that were super popular and maybe you couldn't yeah. get into a couple of, yeah. I think a couple of the labs are available that day. The labs are open till, until um, quite late because I've actually gone, I've stuck around and, and gone for the labs till like five or six at night. Uh, on on the Fridays, so that's a good day to go to lab if you didn't get a chance to go. Um, but yeah, and of course you got the lunch and learn thing, which is usually the, la- the closing keynote is always something awesome uh, on Friday, and then then it's kind of people hanging around. There's usually a job board and all kinds of crazy things things like that as well. So, and are you going down on the Sunday or? Yeah, I'm going down on Sunday so I can go get my badge, get my swag. Um, yeah. Well, swag and get my my jacket. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. what are the dates, Jaime, again? So it'll be the 7th of June yeah. that you're going? Yes, I believe it's the 7th. And so it's the 8th through the 12th. I believe that's correct. Yeah. yeah. yeah wow, is it ever coming up, eh? Yeah, it is coming oh up soon. God, I'm glad I got my watch uh, before yeah, then. So that's I've had right. it about for about a week. And even in that short period of time, noticing that the update that just came out recently actually made a significant difference for me. Hmm. Everything is performs a whole lot better. That's to great. watch the 1.01 update? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't really have the third-party apps just, you know, going away as quickly uh, or, or not even making it because it's just getting a little spinny wheel of doom. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a bit frustrating that way. Mm-hmm. All righty, well, so Aaron, if people want to find you on the internet, so where would they look? They would go to the Twitters, at Aaron Bay, or go to magpievideo.com. Eventually that thing will come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how many people want to find you on the interwebs at dev with a hair on twitter and dev with a hair.com 
And I'm not sure if I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but I am, my name is Tim Mitro. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I am T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter. And I'm almost at my 500th uh, uh, listener, so maybe by the time this podcast is published, I'll have 500 followers. Um, I know, eh? Mm. For those of you who already have 500, Aaron, shut mm. up. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to your user right now in Twitter here. You've got 494. So you're yeah. six away. Four, I lost one. I had one just before the show. Oh, what happened? God. You don't, Somebody unfollowed me. You know me. what? Don't keep track of that stuff, man. There's, no, just, there's I, no way to live. It's just, I'm just joking. Okay. Uh, anyway, so um, yeah, and uh, that's about it for the show. I guess we'll just say goodbye. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, or if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. You can provide as little as a dollar a month. Any amount helps. However, you're free to do as you please. Thanks again for listening. So, like, I understand you raise the watch to your face, you wait for it to come on, and then you say, "Yeah," you say, hey, Siri, uh, and then it activates, but you've got to keep talking, right? So, yeah. you have to say, hey, Siri, and then your query, uh, or else it craps out. Um, yeah. But, of course, the net result of that is I say, hey, Siri, and, you know, what time is it there? And I'm yeah. just talking to my watch because I'm a goddamn idiot and nothing's happening. Mm. And, I, and I end up looking like a total doof. Like, I wanted to know... Um, I wanted to know the um, the actors in the movie Ex Machina, which I had just seen. Yeah, how was that? Uh, very interesting. Uh, and so is it something we should go see? I mean, you don't have to give it a, spoilers. You don't have to give anything it away. Is, it but... is an imperfect narrative. I'll put it that way. Uh, okay, well, that that's a Hollywood movie in a yeah, nutshell. Yeah. Right there, well, I right? think it's yeah. actually a British movie. It's not, not an American one. Um, oh. It's just that the um, one of the lead actors in the movie, the guy that plays the eccentric billionaire fellow, um, mm-hmm. looks so familiar to me, and I'm not sure where I'd seen him before. So I'm actually sitting at the second cup this afternoon having this thought. And I, I, yeah. I raise the watch, and I say, hey, Siri, you know, show me the cast of Ex Machina. And, yeah. you know, I see the little, uh, you know, that voice pattern bar at the bottom. It kind of it yeah. burbles for a second and then dies. Nothing right. happening. Oh, yes. And I yeah, tried it yeah. like three times in a row. It didn't work. And then I just, you know, I had my laptop on my lap, so I used that. <laughs> yeah. Ah, anyway. And you, you did find out he's the guy from that um, movie about the folk singer or whatever, Busker. Where, where's Llewellyn? Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that he was in that, but that's not where I knew him from. But in fact, I wasn't able to identify where I knew him from. Um, because yeah. I, well, do you not do you not use IMDb? Yeah. Uh, I have that, but I I thought I would just use Siri. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so. Well, I think I think just since for the sake of completion, we should do a a, a, a social experiment. Okay. And that and that is, hey Siri, play the soundtrack to Pitch Perfect Two. And we'll find out from Fuad if that worked.
I have a question. Actually, something came up today. We were talking about it. A couple of other watch owners and myself were talking about this. I think Greg was actually one of them in the conversation. Have you guys noticed that your phone battery is going down faster now that you have a watch? Yeah, I was just listening to the talk show uh, today about that topic. Yeah. And, oh, were they talking yeah, about Gruber that? Gruber said that he did, but I haven't noticed. Well, you know, I, it didn't dawn on me till till we started talking about it, but my phone went to like 19% yesterday, and this is an iPhone 6 Plus, and it's first time in ever that I've ever – I mean, I plug it in every night before I go to bed, right? Plug my – you know, charge my phone, or charge my watch, plug my phone in, you know, so I don't have to worry about it. But I've never had an issue with battery life on my, my 6 Plus since I got it. Well, 19% plus? Yeah, I'm at six plus. Yeah, I went down to nineteen percent. That doesn't yeah, constitute a, a problem ago. with battery life. Well, how do you mean? Well, it's it's no, still I mean, got I mean, juice, well, right? no. it's still got uh, one fifth of a charge. I understand, but but what I what I'm saying, I've never gone that low. Okay, I've never I've never gotten to a point where I had a, a low energy warning on my on my phone since I've had it. Never, like forty percent, probably the lowest I can remember. Well, it's then quite likely that it is because basically what's happening is Bluetooth is running, right? So, yeah, of you know, course, yes, if, the radios are chewing up juice. Yeah, yeah, it's it's running all the time now. And if if you didn't use Bluetooth before you got your watch regularly, then well, I did, but I didn't have a device necessarily. It was connecting to like a car, right. or, You know, speaker thing or whatever. Yeah. So that's that's probably it right there. Just like, hey, you're using Bluetooth way more than you were. But so. Well, it could have been it could have been too as well that I was out and about last night, and you know, probably was showing my my watch to people, and you know, using using all the sort of features of it. Like with my six plus, I've only seen about five to six percent extra drain. So really? I watch, you know, what my <laughs> no pun intended. I watch my battery life <laughs> on my phone intently, like. It'd be nice if yeah. I could track it on a graph somewhere, and maybe it is somewhere, and I just haven't found that setting. Um, mm. So every day, you know, I use it about the same, and I'll come home between, you know, 55 <coughs> to 45% left. Um, yeah. Ever since using the watch, and understandably using it more for, you know, showing it off to people or uh, using Siri a lot to interact with things, um, I want to say 39 to 45% now. So right, right. So there's some variance there. 